Well, praise the Lord. I was thinking about Miss Phyllis as she was singing. All she's been through in the last few years, still saying, I'd rather have Jesus. Hmm. That's good. That's good. Boy, ain't none of us in here without sin. We've all made idiots of ourselves. But aren't you glad you get forgiveness and cleanliness? from the Lord Jesus Christ. You can come into his house and worship him and praise him. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 36, Matthew chapter 24. And uh, boy, I tell you, we've already, I've already had a glorious time. We had the best service at Mason Creek that we've ever had before. And it was just a, it was just a tremendous, uh, tremendous time. I just tell you, folks standing and shouting and praising the Lord, and it was, just, you know, it was just good. And I couldn't wait to get over here because whatever happens over there doubles over here, amen? So, I mean, I, I don't know if I can stand it or not, but I'm going to give it a shot. Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 36. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, verse 36, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the meal, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed. And Lord, we just proclaim as as it's been already said, Lord, speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. May this be a time that Not only we hear the word of God, but may it be a time that we respond to the word of God. May it be a time that souls in this place today come grips face to face with the fact that they need a savior. And the only savior there is, is Jesus Christ. And I pray today there may not be a soul leave this place until they know for certain that they have eternity already settled. And then for those of us in this place who are already saved and we know it, Lord, speak to our heart. Peel our hide back this morning, Lord. Show us what we ought to be doing. Lord, may we leave this place saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. And we follow your will and your leadership in every area of our life. We love you. Ask you to do great things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It was almost... 20 years ago, uh, well, a little over 15 years ago, in December 2004, just before 7 a.m., a massive earthquake under the Indian Ocean took place. It registered a 9.0 on the Richter scale, and it was six miles deep under the Indian Ocean, strongest earthquake in over 40 years, and uh, 620 miles section of the earth plates were shifted. You put all of that together, the earthquake released more energy into the Indian Ocean than one million 
of the atomic bombs that we dropped on Hiroshima. That's the kind of earthquake we're talking about. So if you're, you're too young, you won't remember this, but us older folk remember it on the news. A lot of water was displaced. Uh, waves were propelled by a force of the earthquake. They reached speeds up to 600 miles per hour. As they got closer to the shore, the speed slowed just a little bit to 500 miles an hour, but the waves topped more than 50 feet. Their impact devastated many areas. More than 150,000 people died that day and tens of billions of dollars of damages. And we watched as the picture of that tragedy filled our news. Nations around the world sent aid to try to help alleviate some of the suffering and to bury those who had died, remembered as the, one of the greatest tragedies ever recorded in history. But when these things occur, the people of God ought not to be left unguarded. The Bible says in chapter 24 that we read, verse 7, nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, this passage speaks about the tribulation period and what's happening. It's a warning that trouble is going to come upon this earth. Now, I know we don't all agree here on a lot of things. There's some things, bless God, we do agree. We believe the Bible's the inerrant word of God. We believe there's only one way to get to heaven, that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of the gospel. We believe those things. But when it comes to when Jesus is coming, some of us have different views. My view is that there's going to come a rapture and those of us who are saved be going caught up to meet him in the air. Uh, all that happens before this. I have people all the time tell me, well, preacher, the Lord can't come until this happens, until this happens. Oh, bull. There's a, a Greek word for that. It's called hogwash. <laughs> I'm telling you, the Lord Jesus can come at any moment that he desires to come and, it, and we're going to be taken away. And then I just want to warn you today that trouble is coming and the best way to miss this trouble is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Get on board with the Lord Jesus Christ and when the rapture comes, you'll be taken and those down here on earth, this tribulation, you're not going to have to have a part in. I want you to think just a few moments this morning about trouble is coming. It's a warning to us. It's a warning if you're here this morning and you're lost without Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off any longer. The devil's already whispering. There are too many people here. You don't need to do this today. Uh-uh. Remember that Greek word? No, you do it today. Today is the day of salvation. But it's also a warning to many of us who are already saved. We've become so complacent and contented in our walk with the Lord that we walk by our relatives and we walk by our friends and we walk by our work associates. We walk by the students in our school knowing that we have the light of the Lord and we walk by them in darkness and never warn them that there's going to come trouble. There's going to come trouble. Jesus mentions a similarity in verse 37. He mentions that. He tells us that the last days will be like the days when Noah built the ark and the world was destroyed by the flood. Now, if you, we don't have time to read that this morning, but if you go back to Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 13, you'll read all about that. The world became so wicked. The world became so evil. 
Well, you read these verses there. And, and man lived for evil and gave no thought of, uh, to God or his will. There's a word in uh, Genesis 6 called imagination. Genesis 6, 5. It means to fashion as a potter would fashion. It means that men fashioned every form of evil and gave themselves over to the affection of the flesh. They were so wicked and evil in pursuing uh, uh, the evils of sin that God said, I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. We grieve. He, he said the word grieved in verse 6. That's a loved word. God loved them so much so. You say, well, if he loved them so much, why did he destroy them? He gave them 120 years to repent day after day. And they said no. Jesus tells us that in the last days, it'll be like the days in which Noah lived. We're seeing this prophecy come true right before our eyes. We're living in a day-to-day when the pornography industry takes in more than $15 billion a year in the United States. If you added up all of professional baseball, all of professional basketball, all of ABC, all of NBC, all of CBS, you added all those up, pornography takes in more money than all of those combined in our country. And we're not even talking about child pornography. And then abortion. My, my, my. We uh, saw this movie Unplanned. Uh, some of us did last night. You say, preacher, I, I just don't know. If you want to see it, you let me know. And you can, you can take it home and watch it in your family. I'm telling you, it used to be when abortion came about in the early 70s there. It was to help those uh, really, basically, it was inconvenience. It was inconvenience. But that was one thing there. But we're living in a day now in 2020 when a baby can be born and they put it over on a steel table and leave it alone and try to decide if they're going to keep it or not. And all that's legal. In our country, 61 million 600,000 plus babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade. In a worldwide, since they kept figures starting in 1980, 1 1.6 billion babies have been aborted worldwide. And then you add to that the perversions of homosexuality and lesbianism. 1% of our population has an agenda and they want to force everybody else in America to follow that same agenda. Anybody here ever thought that we'd be looking at a Democratic candidate that might be a homosexual to run for President of the United States? Lord help us. We haven't even discussed the tragedies of alcohol and drugs. They're such money makers that nobody wants to touch on that. And we watch our young people uh, Year after year, some get killed because of drugs. Let me tell you something, young people. You sit up there and you be as spiritual as you want to. You carry your Bible to school and you quote scripture. You get in a car with somebody that's alcohol or drugs and they hit another car at 70 miles an hour, you're going to take the same blow as they are. I think it's easy to see that we're living in last days, just like those in which Noah lived. 
Truly, he said, the wickedness of man is great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart is on evil only. But not only does he mention some similarities, he, he mentions contentment in verse 38 and 39. The days before the first, they were, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage till the day that Noah entered and knew not. You see, when the tsunamis came, it caught people off guard. It caught people unprepared. Well, folks were just going about their daily lives. Uh, they never expected what happened to them. I don't know how many times I've been in a hospital emergency room with someone and, and they'd say the same thing. I don't know, preacher, I was just going down the road and bang. I mean, I, I never expected this. I never expected it. They're not without some warning in those tsunamis. I love history, so I was studying some of it. There was a, a part there in India where uh, people were paying to have their children ride the elephants. And uh, the elephants, of course, were chained up so they could hold them out. The elephants broke the chains because they sensed danger was coming. And the elephants headed for the high ground. And the parents who had the kids were running after the elephants. And they ended up getting saved because the elephants knew something was coming. There's another instance on one beach where a 10-year-old girl from England was vacationing with her parents. And when she saw the, the uh, tide go out like that, uh, she warned her parents, we've just been studying tsunamis, something bad is coming. And they warned the whole beach. And that entire beach was saved because they went to higher ground. Scientists say that a tsunami early warning system could have given people time to flee, but that cost millions of dollars, so nobody had it. Jesus said this is how it was in Noah's day. Now, here's the deal. God had an early warning system. His name was Noah. God had him for 120 years, day after day after day, building the ark. The entire time he was building the ark, he was preaching about what was going to come to happen. 2 Peter 2, 5 says, He spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. But people ignored the warnings. They did all the things they always did. They ate, they drank, they married, they lived it up. And while Noah preached, people partied. I know this is not a popular message. This is not a popular church to a lot of people. There are a lot of churches you can go to where they'll dim the lights real low and everything painted black and we all just praise the Lord and somebody get up and encourage you. I want to tell you, I'm not that kind of preacher. I want to encourage you, but your encouragement is going to come when you submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to change your attitude. He's going to change your life. There's going to be something different about you after Jesus comes in and takes over. It can't be. As we watch the end approaching, we're living in areas today of contentment. People all right. God's still warning people to flee the wrath to come, but people are refusing to heed the warnings. Preachers are still preaching, but people are not listening. Why aren't they listening? Because we've got everything we need. We don't need anything else. We've got plenty. We're entertained, and we're, we're, we're contented, and we don't need to see the need for a Savior. What's happened is we've been blinded by Satan. 
2 Corinthians 4, it said, In whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believed not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. They see no need to change. I want to tell you this morning, there ought to be some things in our lives as children of God, listen to me, that ought to be non-negotiable. One of those things ought to be coming to the house of God. Hmm. I mean, it ought not to be up for grabs whether you're going to come to church on Sunday or not. It ought to already be made. You say, well, I got in late last night. Well, bless God, that's great. You still get up and come to church. You say, well, I'm going to sleep through it. I'm going to do everything I can to keep you awake. <laughs> Brother Malcolm says, I'm here to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comforted. <laughs> I know people in this congregation that have and even now work all night long on a graveyard shift and they stay up in time to be able to come to worship God before they go to bed. I know people who are sitting here in this place this morning who it took great pains to get together their clothes and their makeup and all of that to get on to come to the house of God. And then we want to think, well, if it's convenient, I'll come. If it's not, I won't. There are some things in our lives that ought to be non-negotiable. They see no need to change. We're living in a day of spiritual contentment. People have great spiritual needs, but we don't seem to be able to see them. We're like the church thinking, we're, we're rich. We've got everything we need. We've got, we've got a great church. We, we've got a great facility. We can have a wonderful children's building. And we've got great deacons and we've got great life group leaders and everything's just great. Lord, you've been so good to us. Just praise the Lord. I just remind you of something that scares the living daylights out of me. And that is one little scripture that says, to whom much is given, much is required. And I want to tell you, in my 15 years here, I have never in my life seen a church more blessed than Woodland Hills Baptist Church. We've been given much. Well, let me give you this last one I'm through. Jesus talks about the similarities. He talks about the contentment of the day. And then he mentions a disaster. The phrase, took them all away, is a tragic phrase. People going about their daily work, they're going about their daily business, and all of a sudden, the flood came and took them away. They were wiped out with no more hope, with no chances. I just remind you, I don't want to be just totally bloom, uh, gloom and doom, but folks, listen, when you die without Jesus Christ, it's over. You don't get the past gold. You don't collect $200. You don't get another shot at it. What you do here determines where you spend eternity. And we're walking around like everything's fine. Everything's great. And that's what happened right before the tsunami. People living their lives, and the one moment they're enjoying the beach out there, and the next moment they're in eternity. Jesus tells us that his coming is going to be just like that. An unprecedented proportions of trouble is coming upon this world. He's referring to the tribulation. And I want to tell you something. According to what I read in the Word of God, 150,000 who are dead are a drop in the bucket 
as to what's going to happen during the tribulation. Revelation 4.8 talks about the four beasts. Each one of them had six wings. They were full of eyes within. Rest not day and night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, which was, is, and is to come. It speaks of one quarter of the earth's population dying at one time. That's like 1.5 billion people, maybe 2 billion, dying at one time. Then you go down to Revelation 9, the tragedy of the sixth trumpet. And when all of that's over and done with, more than half of the world's population is gone. They talk about meteors falling to the earth, poisoning the waters, causing many to die. We're reading about wars and pestilences and deaths on an unprecedented scale. Just the things that will come upon those who fail to heed the warnings of Jesus. Say, preacher, Ah, man, I don't want to do that. How do I get out of that? Well, I got some good news for you. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, he said, comfort one another with these words. You see, if you've been saved this morning, you don't have to worry about this. We're already out of here. We're already raptured out. We're gone. It's those who refuse to heed the warning. And the warning is this. You need to come to Jesus today. You need to be saved today. We believe. Amen. I ask you, do you believe in Oh, everybody believes. We all believe. Charles Blondin, in the summer of 1859, walked 160 feet above Niagara Falls several times on a tightrope. He walked one time uh, in, in a sack. And then he walked one time. This is history now. This is true. He walked on stilts. Another time he rode a bicycle. Once he even carried a stove and cooked an omelet on his way over. What a man. We're talking 160 feet over Niagara Falls. Now, if you've never seen that, let me just tell you, it's going to make a Texan say, wow. I mean, that's big. 160 feet above Niagara Falls. And one day, July 15th, he decided he would start at America, and he walked backward to Canada got a wheelbarrow, and pushed the wheelbarrow forward back over to the United States. And the crowd, ooh, and ah, and yay. And he said, do y'all believe I, I can push this wheelbarrow across there? Yeah, we've seen you do it. We've seen all kinds of feet. Yes, you can do it. He said, do you really believe? Yes, we believe you can do it. He said, well, would one of you get in the wheelbarrow and let me push you across there? Not a one. Not a one. We say, we believe. Hmm? 
I mean, the church is full of people who believe we're, we're carrying our Bibles, we're singing in the choir, we're shouting, we're holding positions in church, we're waving our hankies, praise the Lord, we're speaking in tongues and we're wearing suits and we've got WWJD bracelets on and we've got bumper stickers that say honk if you love Jesus and if you really get spiritual, we got some that say tithe if you love Jesus, anybody can honk. We believe. We're wearing necklaces with crosses and reading Christmas stories and we're showing up at church and we're reciting the Lord's Prayer, but that's not enough. If we believe, let's get in the wheelbarrow. Let's let him love us and serve him and make him king over our life. Let him raise our kids. Let him strengthen our marriages. Let him teach us how to have joy. Let him take control of our finances. Let him have control when we're laying on the hospital bed. Anybody can say they believe. But by the grace of God, there's somebody here who needs to get in the wheelbarrow. I was driving out, my wife's favorite Mexican food. I always love to do whatever she wants to do. <laughs> so we had Mexican food yesterday. We were in South Longview, and went by the elementary school there on Eastman. Ben Franklin had a quote on the sign. I loved it. He said, it's better to hear well done than to hear well said. I'm afraid there's a lot of us hearing well said. I'm afraid there's a lot of us standing up with our mouths for Jesus. But I want to tell you, as a warning, we need to get in the wheelbarrow. We need to hear well done. Look at me now. I'm preaching to you. I'm telling you, based on the authority of the word of God, there is an ark of safety. And his name is Jesus. And if you'll come and repent of your sin, turn from your ways, and invite him to take over your life, the Bible says, whosoever shall uh, believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He'll transform you. He'll give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. You say, preacher, what's it going to cost me? I don't know what it's going to cost you. I don't know. I know this. It pays to serve Jesus. But I don't know what it's going to cost you. I think maybe Noah may have got down to his last nail to his name. May not have had nothing else. Noah went in that boat a minority and came out a majority. And if you'll come to Jesus, he'll do the same thing for you. Are you sure you're ready to meet him? Are you sure you're doing all you can to sound the alarm to those around. I'm not talking about those in India. I'm not talking about those in Honduras. I'm talking about people that we work with, people we live with, people we love dearly with our children and grandchildren. I'm talking about, now I hear it all the time. Preacher, I, my, my, I don't want to get my kids mad at me. So you're just going to let them go on and go to hell and not get them mad at you. Listen, there's some things you need to be sounding the warning about. We need to be warning those all around us the Lord can come at any time. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of partial to the people I'm looking at now. I don't see a soul in this place that I don't want to spend eternity with. Not a soul. 
So the invitation this morning, if you need Jesus, if you've never been saved, maybe you say, well, I made that commitment, but nothing happened. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you, you're not saved. Because you know how I know I got married? I was there that day. I was there, brother. You ain't going to tell me I didn't get married. I married the most beautiful woman in all of Louisiana. Amen. I was there. Don't you tell me you got saved and you don't know it or not. It's a pretty good, sure thing that you ain't. So I'm telling you, you need to come to Jesus. And then for the rest of us who've been saved, are we doing everything we can to warn people? Hmm. I'll take that as a no. May these altars be filled this morning with people who are shedding tears for family members, people they work with, kids they go to school with, where we're praying, oh God, help me be somebody in a loving way. I'm not talking about taking a baseball bat after them. I'm saying love them. Show them that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. You'll hear other things. I know that. You'll hear there's this way and there's that way. But I'm here to tell you this morning, this word says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Father, would you do your work in this place this morning? There are those in this place. Oh, dear God. If you were to come before we close this invitation, they would be lost for eternity. Oh, dear Father, today, May they come to Jesus and be saved. There are others in this place that we we love you, but, oh, God, the truth is we've grown content. We're happy where we are. We're satisfied, and, oh, God, I pray you'll put a burning desire in our heart to reach out for lost people, to tell them about Jesus, to warn them that there's no other way except to come by way of the cross through Jesus. Maybe there are some here that need to come and join this church and be a part of this ministry. Lord, let your will be done in every life in this building today. And we're going to praise you and thank you and glorify the precious name of Jesus in all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.